0: Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan, here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, I always love doing these episodes with you. How are you today?
1: I'm terrific, and I'm really excited about talking about the conversation I had with Lisa Lutoff-Perlo, the former CEO of Celebrity Cruises. You know, what I love about Lisa is is that she's just a bored salesperson. I mean, she started out in accounting, but boy, does she know how to sell, And, you know, she's so excited about what she does. And it's just contagious.
0: It really is. I mean, she has worked in the cruise industry for 39 years. One thing about Lisa, the woman is persistent. And I was so inspired listening to this conversation, David, just by how her persistence really paid off for her in her career.
1: And not only persistent, I would say passionate. I mean, she just has a real passion for what she's doing, the people she has the privilege of leading, and it just shows, you know, she she might be in that industry for 39 years, but she stays forever young in her approach and her thinking about how to delight customers. And I love that.
0: I do too. I'm excited to dive into our questions for today, David. Let's get going. Question number one. Lisa really paved the way for women to hold leadership positions in the cruise industry. She, of course, was CEO of Celebrity Cruises, and she actually asked for that job three different times before she was given the opportunity to become CEO. David, what advice do you have for leaders who get turned down from a job that they believe they're capable of having?
1: Well, I think the first thing you need to do is understand why you were turned down. What was it that you didn't have that people are looking for you to have before you take on that responsibility. I think that's very important because you can use each one of those opportunities to to build your self-awareness. You know, it could be that you just don't have enough time and grade, enough experience yet. It could be that you don't have enough financial background. It could be that you aren't customer focused, whatever those issues are, then you need to develop a personal game plan to take those head-on and make sure that that's not the issue the next time that job comes along. Now, there could be a case where you get a job and you know you're the absolute right person for it and you have every skill in the world to get that job. And you don't want to wait around for the next three years before you get that job. And I think that's the time When you start looking outside to see if there's another opportunity because your growth has been stopped and you know that you're capable of a lot more and you're convinced you have the skills that you need to do more. But the first thing, again, Kula, is understand why uh, you're being turned down. Use it as an opportunity to get better. And if you decide to stay in the company, do what Lisa did. Don't hang around and, and be all sad and down and walk around and be moping because you didn't get the job. No, stay positive. Keep getting better. And the next time, you're going to have a heck of a lot better opportunity to get that job. And that's what Lisa did. She took the high ground. She didn't wallow in self-pity. She said, I'm going to get better. And I'm ultimately get that job and I'm not going to give up. And I think that kind of persistence with that kind of attitude really, really pays off. You know, you can have persistence, but if you have a bad attitude and you got a cynical perspective about why you didn't get something, I guarantee you it's a formula for making sure that you don't get it the next time too. Question
0: number two. In the interview, you ask Lisa how she thinks about the customer experience, and I really loved her answer. She says that sometimes your customers don't always know what they want, so you've really got to be somewhat futuristic in your thinking and understanding where the customer is going. David, how should leaders keep track of where their customers are going?
1: Well, first of all, I think you need to talk to customers directly, you know, ask them, you know, what's working, what's not working, how they feel about your brand, how they feel about other brands in the category. But I think there's nothing like going and getting it straight from the horse's mouth. And so I always spend a lot of time talking with customers. And then I think it's important to really gauge what your competitors are doing to satisfy customers. So, you know, there would be times where I would take my team and all we would do is go into our competitors' uh, restaurants and sit down with their customers and ask them the same kind of questions. And that always gave us some really terrific insight. And then we, we did formal research to understand how, you know, customers are thinking. And the one that I've talked about before, which I love the most, is a problem detection study. People are not very good at telling you what they want, but they're very good at complaining. And so if you can get people to tell you what all the problems are in the category and find out what the most important problem is that occurs most frequently, then you know what to work on to really make customers happy. Now, you learn all of this stuff. And one of the things that Lisa said, which I think was really key, is sometimes customers really don't know what they want. And that's where you got to really put yourself in a customer's shoes and then ask yourself, hey, I might be satisfied right now, but you know what? What would really delight me? You know, how could I really provide a surprise? How could I really create a smile for a customer where they go, wow, I wish I would have thought of that. But I think if you ideate around the things that you know you're hearing from your customers, then those delightful ideas will have a lot more relevance and really help you take your, your brand experience to the next level. The other thing I would say is, as a leader, you should think about your customer experience from beginning to end. You know, what's the first point of contact you have with your customers? And what's the last point of contact you have with your customers? How do you make that whole experience pleasant and delightful and exceed their expectations throughout? And then what I think you should do when you think about the total experience, then put process and discipline around making that experience happen. You know, like your training companies spend zillions of dollars on training every year, and they train people on how to give their customers an ordinary experience. (laughs) Why don't you train people on how to do things that will make it an extraordinary experience? And you know, I I think that's really kind of fun when you think about your business that way. Like, for example, at Chick-fil-A, who does a great job, they train their people to say, it's our pleasure. They don't just say, thank you. It's our pleasure. Everybody can say, hey, you should make sure that you thank the customers, okay? Or you can give them something to say that will make it stand out more. And that's what I think Chick-fil-A does. And I think that's very powerful.
0: David, one of my favorite exercises is to map out the customer journey, like you said, from the first point of contact they have with your brand all the way through the last. And you really do find these moments that can make a difference with your customer. I mean, like you said, the Chick-fil-A employee saying, my pleasure, If you're an online company, your confirmation email that you send someone when they purchase a product, it could just be, you know, the stock email that says, thanks so much for registering. Here's your confirmation number. Or you could add a little personality to it and really make the customer feel valued and cared for, even in your communication. So I think it's so fun to pinpoint those moments. That most brands overlook, but if you're the one who really takes the time to think about how you can surprise and delight your customers in instances where they wouldn't suspect it, I think that really does make you stand out.
1: Absolutely, Kula.
0: Question number three. Lisa led one of the most epic initiatives that I've ever heard of in the cruise industry. In 2020, Celebrity Cruises celebrated International Women's Day with a female captain of the ship and a 100% female leadership team for the first time ever, and I just think that that is the coolest thing. David, in your opinion, what type of leadership skills does it take to pull something like that off, and what can leaders take away from Lisa's accomplishments?
1: Well, the first thing is you got to know what you want and you got to know why. And then you got to really believe that it can happen. And then you got to get your team involved. And the best way to get your team involved is to say, hey, this is why I think this is a big idea. And then you got to pose the big question, which is how might we do it? What do we need to do to really pull this off? In Lisa's case, She thought that this could be something that could happen two or three years out. Her team got really excited and said, we could do it right now. All we have to do is look around and other ships and other leaders. We, We can create a ship that's totally run by women, by Women's International Day. She had no idea when she posed the question that it could happen so fast. But the big thing is, is that she's very passionate about gender equality. And that passion now has been carried forward through everything that, that she does and she stays on it like a dog on a bone because of her tenacity and that persistence that we talked about. But that's how you get it done.
0: It really is a fun exercise too, if you've never done it with your team, to sit down and just imagine the best possible outcome for a product or the best possible result you could get and then just reverse engineer it. And think, like you said, what's the people capabilities that we need? What's our strategy? But if you can think it and get your team to believe that it can be done, figuring out the details isn't always that complicated. Like you said, Lisa thought it would take three years, and then she found out in two weeks, they could staff an entire ship with all women. So sometimes just taking the time to let yourself dream really big is quite
1: rewarding. You know, one podcast that everybody needs to listen to, which I think really drives this point home big time, is the one with Mark King, the CEO of Taco Bell. You know, when he went into Taco Bell, they were growing 3 to 5% in same-store sales growth. And he says, that's a, that's pretty good. But you know what? We're going to grow 10% around here. Everybody looked at him like he was crazy. How could you possibly grow 10%? But then everybody started thinking about what it would be required To grow 10%. And guess what? They came up with new product innovations. They came up with employee ideas. They came up with team member ideas. They came up with all kinds of initiatives that helped them get on an incredible run and make them one of the fastest growing concepts in the restaurant industry.
0: Well, Mark King is a passionate leader, as is Lisa, and she really does show you what persistence and passion can accomplish when you cast a compelling vision for your team and motivate everybody to get on board.
1: On board, Kula. No pun intended there. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders And if you carve out a little time each and every week with us, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well.
0: Coming up next on How Leaders Lead, just in time for the Super Bowl, is Lynn Swan, NFL Hall of Famer and four-time Super Bowl champion.